Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we talk about an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, writer and film critic, and my co-host... I'm Jason Harris, comedian, filmmaker, American gigolo. <laughs> uh, all right, I don't know what else to say to that. No, I'm not making much money. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in this second season of Awesome Movie Year, we're talking about the movies of 2007. And this episode takes us to the biggest flop of 2007, and a movie that I successfully argued that we should cover over another movie that we were considering, and I think Jason is not happy with me. What was the other one we were considering? We were considering talking about Lucky You, the Vegas uh, gambling movie with Eric Bana and Drew Barrymore. Uh, and I think this movie, as much as you clearly hated it, will be more interesting to talk about. And I know, that, that was your argument, that there's more to talk about. Yeah, this. yeah. Well, let's say what we're talking about Lindsay Lohan in I Know Who Killed Me. Yes. Directed by Chris Sivertson. No, no one you care about. No, Chris Silvestri was that? Sivertson, I think really? is his name. Yeah. He's directed some other uh, horror movies, uh, including uh, co directing a movie called All Cheerleaders Die that has a bit yeah. of a horror following. Uh, yeah, Sivertson or Sivertson, however you pronounce that. And, and written by some other guy. Who has never written anything again? Jeffrey Hammond. Jeffrey Hammond is the screenwriter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know who killed me. Weirdly enough, not that big a financial flop, though. It grossed nine point seven million dollars, but its budget was only twelve million. And then on, if you had DVDs, it made it like almost twenty eight million on DVD sales. So, so uh, yeah, I I didn't look that up, but I trust that you are correct. And it, it has kind of gotten a cult following. I think that's probably the case, though for a lot of movies that are considered flops at the time that end up garnering a following of people who either genuinely appreciate them or who are just fascinated by why was this movie such a massive failure? We talked about North last season, and that's a movie that also did lose a lot of money, but I think probably eventually made its money back because of people just wondering what the heck was going on with it. Yeah, with North, there was, uh, you could see all the places that it went wrong, that it could have gone right. With this one, it just, you can't see any places it could have gone right. I don't no, think. but you can definitely see all the places <laughs> that it went wrong, because it's all the places. <laughs> Every place you look, it, it went, went wrong. wrong. Yes. So, I mean, I think, but to me, this movie is is known so much for being a flop, not just because of its uh, financial failure, but because it was so reviled by so many people, um, it was nominated for nine Razzies, which at the time was a record that was beaten later on by Jack and Jill. Yes. Uh, uh, the, I did not see that one. You never saw Jack and Jill? Nope. Lucky, lucky you for hey, not yo. seeing Jack and Jill. Uh, so I thought it was funny, though, that this movie it was nominated for nine Razzies. It won eight of them, uh, including Worst Picture, Worst Director, Two awards for worst actress for Lindsay Lohan, which is yeah, because didn't she win worst on screen? She couple? also won worst screen couple. It won worst <laughs> screenplay. Uh, it won worst remake or ripoff, which is just it's not. Yeah, and, and I would argue it's not worst on screen couple. They have one shot together in right, the whole movie, right? And it also won uh, one award that I think they made up just for this one. The worst excuse for a horror movie. This is my problem with the Razzies. They just like make stuff up yeah. because they want to pile on a movie you mean razzies you seriously but what i thought was funny that the only award that it did not win was worst supporting actress 
for Julia Ormond. Did you look up who actually won instead? I forget. I think I did. But it I was forget. Eddie Murphy in Norbit. Norbit, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's, fu- it's funny because I was going to ask you in our last episode, Gone Baby Gone, where Amy Ryan did not win Best Supporting Actress. She lost to Tilda Swinton in Michael Clayton, which I thought she was great, right? She was great. So, so Amy Ryan did not lose to Eddie Murphy in Norbit? No, I thought that was a fair <laughs> win. Yeah. Do you think that this... Lindsay Lohan losing, or uh, Julia Ormond losing to Eddie Murphy in Norbit was a fairer. <laughs> yeah, because Julia Ormond A is not that bad in this movie, and and Norbit is just an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> How did we miss Norbit on this? this I time? mean, the fact is that Norbit is an abomination that made a bunch of money. Um, Good for you, yeah, Norbit. <laughs> and I had to see it, and I still resent that. Um, and did you see this in the theater? I did not actually. This is, I think, one of the few movies we're talking about this season that I had never seen until we watched it for this podcast. I assume you also had never seen it. I had never seen it. Yeah. And don't <laughs> care to ever see it again. No, I don't blame you. Um, I thought it was it was interesting that uh, again this movie was so reviled. Not only did it did it do poorly with critics, obviously it has a seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But it also got an F from CinemaScore, the audience polling service. And for a movie to get an F from CinemaScore, it has to not only be bad, but basically they're polling the people who went to see it on opening day. So that means the people who really wanted to see it, who saw the commercials and the trailers and thought, I want to pay $10 for this movie, they hated it. Well, that's their own fault for going <laughs> to see this on opening day. Yeah. I think this, so this movie was hated not only by the critics who had to see it because it was their job, but it was also hated by the people who wanted to see it and thought that they would like it. Um, so some reviews. Uh, Jeanette Katsoulis, uh, former Las Vegas critic and a great, uh, hilarious person, uh, writing for the New York Times, she wrote, uh, for Ms. Lohan, it's a long way down from Robert Altman, that was uh, previously she was in A Prairie Home Companion, to Chris Syvertson a director whose creativity is in direct proportion to the number of poles in a particular shot. He and his writer, Jeffrey Hammond, also display a peculiar fetish for the color blue, peppering the plot with azure roses and periwinkle surgical gloves at regular intervals. I half expected the killer to be revealed as a rejected member of Blue Man Group. The film does, however, offer the intriguing image of Ms. Lohan trying to stitch herself back together, a scene just begging for a metaphorical reading. So... (laughs) That's funny. And actually, the uh, since the killer is a musician, maybe he was a rejected member of the Blue That Man is group possible, yes. He could be uh, David Cross's character from Arrested Development. I don't know why she didn't understand the blue, you know, the meta, the all the blue in there. That was... I mean, I think I think she understood that it was on purpose. But yeah. what was the purpose? The purpose was that the uh, two halves of the Lindsay Lohan sister characters... They each have their own color. They each have their own color, don't yeah. they? Yeah, Blue. one is red and one is blue. Right, and yeah. the red is the one who grew up in the sordid life and the yeah. streets and is stripping but never takes off her clothes as a stripper. Right, yes. And uh, the blue is the nice uh, suburban life. Right, uh, yeah. But, but, calming but, blue. But she also, as she points out here, blue is also the color of the killer for some reason. Mm, which is not calming at no, all. No, no, not at all. Maitland McDonough in TV Guide really brings in some obscure references here. Alert genre fans, especially those who've seen the direct-to-DVD Thora Birch vehicle Dark Corners from 2006. Has anyone seen that? No, uh, Maitland McDonough has seen it. 
Uh, we'll figure out the twist a good half hour before screenwriter Jeffrey Hammond and director Chris Syvertson see fit to fess up. Others may well have abandoned hope before then. But that's the least of what's wrong with this absurd crime picture, which is simultaneously nasty and painfully dull. Vague echoes of Lohan's dual role in The Parent Trap only served to spotlight her lackluster work in this formulaic thriller, which with any other star would have gone direct to video and vanished without a trace. It is sort of amazing that this movie came out in theaters. It should have gone direct to video. It probably, yeah. you know, would have found... Well, like we said, it made a lot of money on DVD, $28 million, right? Yeah, I so, think it did find its audience there. Yeah, so, uh, okay. Yeah, so. I think it eventually hit Lifetime. Well, yeah, mistaken. that sounds about right. So funny well. that, uh, you know, that's the movie she brings up, Thora Birch's... <laughs> Dark Corners, yeah. yeah. I read a lot of uh, Dario Argento. Yeah, of yeah, there is a lot of that from people who maybe have a larger appreciation for this film. Right. And I'm then, guessing that Thora Birch movie is also bad. Right, Brian De Palma. I thought that yeah. was like a little bit of a stretch. Like yeah. Body double. Right, right, and sisters. I can see the Argento stuff here too. I mean, I think those are all points of reference, but they're not used very well. Um, Nothing is used very well. That is true. I will say, however, not everyone hated it. Stephen Hunter in the Washington Post said he calls it a credible piece of pop entertainment of the hottie in distress genre. The genre is no favorite of critics or responsible adults who have no desire to observe its conventions. Lots of pain, torture, and bondage suffered by said hottie, followed by righteously administered way cool death to perpetrator. But if you accept those conventions, I Know Who Killed Me delivers on them in a trim, if violent package and gives Lohan a chance to show she knows a little something about the acting trade, which, no, no, she doesn't. She's so bad. She, I know, I, I don't even think she's that bad. It's just that she's such a pop cultural icon at this point in time, right? And yeah. this was like one of her many big comeback films. That, yeah. That, that, that became the story of this right right like, she went to rehab in the middle of making this I think movie it was like on day one or something yeah and she like was that. she was in rehab while like they let her out during the day to make this movie and then she went back right. afterwards if someone had shot a behind the scenes documentary about the making of this that would have been fascinating yeah i think i was reading some uh also and i didn't notice this watching but that supposedly she was so hounded by paparazzi that they ended up in the background yeah, of some shots like extras and some of which actually made sense for part of the story right right i <laughs> I think maybe they did their best to incorporate it. But yeah, the idea that this is like a good performance from her, I think is very wrong. Well, I guess that'll come in later in the show, but you do wonder because she said she showed so much promise as a young actress. She did. We, uh, we see the parent trap here. And of course, mean girls. mean girls is probably the height of her career as an actual, like decent actress. And Herbie fully loaded. I don't know. I mean, really, she showed promise in a very small number of things. Yeah, but Mean Girls after Mean Girls, she was like the it girl. Of she Hollywood, was, yeah. So. And yet, like all of her co-stars from that went on to much more rewarding careers. Rachel McAdams, uh, Amanda Seyfried, even Lacey Chabert in her Hallmark movies. I what guarantee. Is, what's the old uh, Rick James uh, quote on? Cocaine, uh, it's a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Producer David Rosen, had you ever seen this movie? Have you uh, ever seen this movie? I have not seen this movie. No. Okay. I, although I will say that uh, this morning I watched the trailer and I kind of want to watch it now. It looks like a lot of fun in a bad movie kind of yeah. way. I wish you were right. Because <laughs> that's sort of how, like, I mean, dude, I mean, obviously the pinnacle of a lot of fun in a bad movie kind of way is The Room, I think, sure. for a lot of us. Yeah. And that's what I was hoping, man. I love movies that are so bad that they're Right, good. right. This is just 
not. Now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, bad. I, I, I fall somewhere in the middle on it, but uh, we'll talk about that. Did you have any other background uh, details you wanted to mention? No, no. All right. Well, we'll talk about Jason's hatred for this movie and for me for making him watch it when we come back. I hate you for so many other reasons. <laughs> we will be right back. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In our second season, we're talking about the movies of 2007. And in this episode, we're covering the biggest flop of the year, the Lindsay Lohan vehicle, I Know Who Killed Me. And uh, Jason Harris, you were not a fan of this movie. Not a fan. Wanted uh, something, like I said, that's so juicy that you just sink your teeth into it and can be like, oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. But it just like, a wet noodle of a movie, Josh. It is a bit. There were moments where I was laughing at the absurdity of it. I think there's one line. So the plot of this movie, such as it is, Lindsay Lohan plays this goody two-shoes college student named Aubrey, who is uh, smart, and she has this nice boyfriend, and she's good at playing the piano and good at writing, which she's really, she's a terrible writer. When she reads her writing in class, it's just the worst. But she is allegedly a great piano player and a great writer, and she's got her whole life together. She's about to go. It was unclear to me exactly what she was like transferring to a new college or something. I was unclear for like the first half right, of this movie how like, old she was supposed to be. Are you in high school and going to college next year? What's your deal? Right, but I think she was in like a junior college and was going to a four-year college. Yeah, because all these junior college kids are so smart. You dumb idiots in junior college. I'm talking <laughs> to all of you. <laughs> so she is this character. And then in her little town, there is some kind of serial killer who's been abducting and mutilating and killing right. young but, women. But let's say in the opening credits, we see her dancing on stage, you know, in a strip club. So right. now we're like, what are you? Which like, who are you? Who are you? Lohan? Yeah. And so Aubrey is kidnapped. She's disappeared. And then she appears to return having escaped from the, her captor. It's Lindsay Lohan, but she, and she's, mutilated she's missing an arm and a leg and uh i think that's it but that's a lot um, that is a lot you know and uh and but she insists that she is not aubrey but she is in fact what is it dakota, dakota. moss which sounds I'm like the name girl. of some sort of noir uh detective <laughs> i'm a bad girl she is a bad girl i came up on the wrong side of the track exactly <laughs> she was a stripper and she doesn't know who this Aubrey chick is and yeah. she's not down with all these nice people being nice to her and she even says it at like one time when she's trying to convince herself or like she has to play along she's like I'm Aubrey I never had to strip and sell my body to hairy men with B.O. <laughs> and see, I don't know how you can't find that stuff funny. And I think Lindsay Lohan's performance is what works. So what I was going to say is there's one scene she's uh, Dakota is is required to see this psychologist and he's trying to uh, to get some answers out of her. And she's, she realizes he's been hired by the police and she's like, you're fuzz, aren't you? And just the way that she delivers that and she calls him fuzz, which of course no 19 year old in 2007 would ever say. Uh, I just thought stuff like that was hilarious. But Aubrey, you little minx, you, you have a little, you have a little secret crush too, don't you, Aubrey? On the uh, on the landscaper there. Oh, with his nipple tattoo. Yeah, and and he's stroking the hose. No, he's stroking a tree branch, which he's, was even more ridiculous. He's stroking a tree branch, which could have been a hose. Yes. But and she's all like, "Ooh, 
middle finger, which I'm going to lose later in this movie. So. <laughs> yeah, and see, it's foreshadowing and symbolism. Oh, man, they are very heavy handed on foreshadowing. And symbolism. Yes, yes, they are. But yeah, I did love her, the hot gardener who takes off his shirt and has the, t- the tattoo right around his nipple and, and does stroke the very phallic. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was a tree branch, which I thought was funny because like a hose would be the obvious choice, yeah, right? Whatever it is, it's supposed to be a penis. So. Yes, yes, it is. This movie seems like it has a lot of Vegas energy. Uh, yeah, I can see that. It doesn't take place like in Vegas, SoCal, but right? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's SoCal. in this fictional town. I thought it was most more supposed to be kind of like a northwest uh, or a north northeast kind of town. Um, Who cares? Yeah, like a like a like an upscale Connecticut suburb kind of area. So where is where is uh, Aubrey stripping then? I'm not Aubrey Dakota at that part. Hartford. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right yeah yes. <laughs> yeah so i mean obviously this is not a good movie but i did find parts of it amusingly bad what like what parts i like i was saying some of the line delivery or the depiction of the the uh the gardener just the whole attitude that Lindsay lohan tries to bring in her performance as dakota and and completely fails because you could sort of buy Lindsay Lohan. Weirdly enough, Lindsay Lohan in real life is like a hardened drug addict and yet cannot convincingly play a hardened drug addict. And I could only believe her as this dumb, naive other character, even though in that she's not good in that role either. Yep. <laughs> she's not horrible. I mean, like I, she's watchable, right? So uh, yeah. There are some times you watch a movie and you're like, how does this person even get a job, right? Right. Like, I don't know. She's she's just there. She's doing her thing. Is she attractive in this movie, do you think? Like, is, is she pretty? I think she's pretty. Yeah. So, you know, I, I uh, as Josh knows, I don't like uh, films that are supposed to be erotic that remove all the eroticism. Like, if you're a stripper, you have to strip. You know what I mean? If you're having a sex scene... Unless there's a reason for all your clothes to be on, it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Because I like being naked when I'm having sex, Josh, and audience, and I want you all to know that. So, like, you know, I again, like, she's stripping, and she's, like, not, like, she's just on a pole, like, almost in, right. like, full uh, clothes. Or yeah, something. and even you when know. she's, like, I think a lot of times what movies like this will do is that the famous star doesn't want to do the nudity playing a stripper, but then she'll go to the like backstage area and the extras that they hired will be nude. But I don't think even they were nude. I know she had a no nudity clause in this film. Yeah. And I just feel like um, certain films require you, uh, the role requires it to set the mood or the tone or advance the story or whatever it is. And this takes you out of it for, uh, early on. But again, the whole movie takes you out yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, so. come on. Would the story have been better if Lindsay Lohan were topless? Dave? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I saw the trailer. I watch it, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm um, just saying, you know, if you're going to commit, like, and I'm not saying this just about Lindsay Lohan, I'm saying in general, if it was a dude and he was a stripper, you know, you got to show your dong, buddy. So, yeah. Not enough dong strippers in the. Go on, Josh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, what I was going to say, though, is that I don't think any of these scenes are supposed to be erotic, that if the movie is working as it's supposed to, and, and it probably doesn't, but I think the point of those stripping scenes is not that it's sexy, but that it's pathetic, that it's sad that that's what this character is doing with her life. Well, it didn't work. Yeah. No, I, I agree it didn't work. 
but I think that that wanting the, the those scenes to be more erotic is not what the movie was going for. Well, I'm just saying I don't really have a point anymore. All right. I'm just saying if you're in it, if you're if you're playing a garbage man, you got to take the trash out. <laughs> That's that a good metaphor, right there. Some like kind of metaphor, right there. So, well, let's, there are, there are uh, there are other actors in this movie, and there are actually some like good actors yeah, in this movie. Like, Neil, Neil McDonough, who plays her dad, we like him. Yeah, the justified bad guy. Right, you know, right, so. and his eyes are very blue, steely blue. Yeah, yeah, they go with the color scheme of and this movie. If he was a stripper, I'd say Neil, show the goods, take buddy. it off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as previously mentioned, Razzie nominated Julia Ormond as her mother kind of brings some real emotion to her scenes when she's talking about how she was pregnant and how much she cared about her daughter and wanting to, you know, protect her and everything like that. There was a little bit of real emotion there. Nope. No. All right. You're not going to give anything. Um, Was there anything that you were at all impressed by in this movie? Uh, The owl. (laughs) There's an owl. Giving clues out, you know, just, just, standing where you know on the branch and it's like oh well i guess if the owl's on the branch i guess i should dig here to find my lost half twin from birth that's been buried alive after being mutilated this is all part of the yeah, story yeah yeah when we didn't even get into the idea of the stigmata twins that that's yeah. the central twist of this movie and also i there was like like hey uh like she sees like a whole fever dream in the mirror and that like kind of that's like, when she sees the owl yes that helps her solve this whole case and yeah. everything mm-hmm. it, and you know like you're like the killer could have been nobody well, the killer is clearly, I mean, when you get to that point, it goes to the whole, the Roger Ebert, the rule of economy of characters. Right. When you it's rule out, you saw, who is right? it going to be? Yeah. How many people have we seen? It's going to be one of them. Right. You know, and you think it's going to be a landscaping Kenny over there. Right. Or her boyfriend or maybe yeah. Neil McDonough. And it's the piano teacher. Who is in for one scene at yes. the beginning. And that's but it. yeah, obviously that scene is there solely to set him up as the killer, because what does she do? She tells him, I'm going to not be in the piano lessons anymore. And the lesson of this movie really is do not quit piano quit. lessons because then you'll get murdered. Right. And or mutilated. Have, and think of what Amadeus would have been as a film had yeah. he quit early. Had this guy been her teacher. Maybe J.K. Simmons from Whiplash. Exactly. He uh, he definitely needs to, you know, push that rhythm a little harder. Yes. Yeah. Now, I don't know, man. It's just and then, you know. Did you did you read about the original ending of the movie? Yeah, the original ending is hilarious. So it's just, obviously this movie is ridiculous, right? And so they're they're twins and the real baby, long lost twins, right? Because the real Julie Armand's real baby died at birth, so Neil McDonough buys. He bought a baby from the crack whore, from the whore who had two who had twins. So she sold him one of them, yeah, and, and she he, kept the other one, right? So that's so, yeah. And just like in Gone Baby Gone, we were talking about <laughs> the life that yeah, you could have had see, versus the life that you do so have. So many moral dilemmas <laughs> right? in this movie. And this goes to prove my point about Gone Baby Gone, yeah. that Amanda could have grown up in this nice, you know, uh, upper middle class lifestyle, but instead she's stripping on a pole in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. Fully clothed. Though. Yeah, yes. fully clothed, right? Should, should, should Amanda be played by Lindsay Lohan in the sequel to Gone Baby Gone? I'm good with that. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, the, the insane-ist thing about this movie is the idea that because they're twins, so Aubrey is in fact kidnapped by this serial killer and is mutilated by him. He cuts off her leg, he cuts off her arm, and Dakota, who's just hanging out being a stripper, living her stripper life, spontaneously 
loses her leg and her arm because her twin has been mutilated. Well, Josh, you know, being Aubrey's long lost sister can cost you an arm and a leg. Oh, there you go. I will say, <laughs> I will say the special effects of the missing limbs were as good as the special effects in Forrest Gump, which we talked about last season. Yeah, so 12 years later, they were able to replicate, or 13 years later, they were able to replicate something that was revolutionary at the right. time. Right, and I think that really is a good arc to show you how what's revolutionary can, within 13 years, become a cheap device in a crappy B-movie. Hey, Josh, you know, when you're looking for positives here, you're really going out on a limb. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you. I think we need to go back and edit the Forrest Gump episode to put it in the, uh, you know, the impact. That yes, it, that it definitely. We need to realize that the legacy of Forrest yes. Gump is I know who killed me. Absolutely. Um, uh, so we were going to get to the original ending that we didn't say. Oh, so yes, of course. We had to explain have, the whole background right, first. So you have these two and she figures out like they both like literally there's so much like giveaway like. The woman who finds uh, Dakota on the side of the road, she's like talking on the phone like, I feel like I'm just half a person, right? <laughs> and like the, the whole thing is like these girls are like, well, we don't really get it with Aubrey, but with Dakota, like I've always felt like half myself into, and Aubrey, we get it in her writing. Yeah, you know, right. Like, and so Aubrey has written a story that mentions someone named Dakota and how she was felt like she was uh, half a person. And so obviously Aubrey's stories are kind of a representation of what's going on. And originally the ending revealed that the whole thing was a story written by Aubrey, which is just no, the worst. It was a that third it? character who made up both these characters. Oh, that thing. was not what I had read. Oh. I didn't. Did you actually watch I, the th original no, ending? No, but I, th I what I had read was there was a third character played by Lindsay Lohan who made the whole thing up. Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah. Well, of course it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically the like the cop out. It was all a dream. It was all made up ending, which is I mean, if you've sat through something like this, that's this bad. You know, if you finally get to the ending and the movie is like, just kidding, all that crap we showed you didn't Garbage, even really happen. Yeah. yeah. Like North. Right. So, exactly yeah. like North. <laughs> so. Exactly like North. Um, yes. So in the end, you know, where uh, where Dakota finds the owl and decides like, oh, this must be where I must dig for my buried alive sister. And she like kind of like she's got this fake limb. Uh, and oh, she, the robot arm! We didn't yeah. even talk about the robot oh, arm. Oh yeah, she has the two prosthetics: <laughs> the robot arm and leg. And they and the robot arm is super strong, yeah. and she uses it to smash the coffin to get the other Lindsay and out the of leg. There. They keep saying charge, or else it won't work. And she keeps forgetting to charge her leg. Like, really, you're gonna? And forget the leg to charge doesn't her? have to. Like, this is what I don't get. Right. So they have to charge the leg, which but not is, the arm. But not the arm. Yeah. The arm, which like does all this stuff, yeah. is is all robot. The leg is just it doesn't move. And it didn't really come into play that she didn't no. charge it as much. No, as they she show did. its little battery indicator on the ankle. Right. So, so the character of Aubrey has been buried alive, mutilated, and uh, has been kidnapped. It's been weeks now that she's right. been kidnapped. Right, yeah. So Dakota finds her, you know, digs her up, punches through the glass coffin, which could cause cuts that is on true. Aubrey. And uh, what does she do when she gets her out? Yeah, she just, does... She doesn't call the ambulance, the police. She doesn't go get medical help. She lies down next to her and gives her a cuddle. Yes. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Um, yeah, it's very bad. All of it is bad. I, uh, <laughs> so I am going to guess that out of, say, five severed Lindsay Lohan limbs, you're yeah. going to give this a very low rating. One. One. 
one limb. Give it one. An first. arm or a leg, which one would you choose? Uh, I'm going to give it an uncharged leg. <laughs> <laughs> and I will give it two because I really don't think, as much as this movie is bad, I feel like this movie could have been more epically bad, which is what I was sort of expecting. It's just, as ridiculous as the plot is, it's more of just like a run-of-the-mill bad B-movie. Yeah, and that's what's so disappointing. Yeah. But I feel like the the one, I don't anyway. But it's not a run of the real bad B movie because it got released as a, you know, major True. mainstream film. True, right. It was set up to be more than that, but it turns out to be. It's not like the 2006 direct-to-DVD Thora Birch film, blah, 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 dark, blah. Dark Corners, <laughs> which we will be covering in our season on 2006. In direct-to-DVD 2006 films. Yes. Awesome direct-to-DVD Year. Year. Yes. Uh, I would love to do that, actually. Um, did you ever see... You know what? I've never seen The Parent Trap. Have you ever... Speaking of the... Just just parts of it. Or wasn't she in Freaky Friday, that one? Yeah, too. too yeah. We just watched that. My daughter, who is five, she likes that one. The one with Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's fine in that. Right. And then, um, although there's this weird scene where, like, she's the daughter and, you know, the parents have broken up. But because of Freaky Friday, it's the mom who's the daughter. So... Uh, Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Curtis as Lindsay Lohan, right? Yeah. Or Lindsay Lohan as Jamie Curtis. The daughter who is in, it's the body of the daughter, but the the mind of the mom yeah. has to like profess her love to her dad slash. Oh yeah, that's ex. creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. More like Creepy Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and we could call, I know who killed me, Creepy Friday. Yeah. How about that when she uses the title in the line, which. You yeah, know, that's always great. And yeah. it doesn't make any sense because Aubrey it's hasn't not, even been killed. Yeah. She's still alive. Dakota says, I know who killed me. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And Gone Baby Gone, the cheese, the, the yeah. drug dealer goes, he's gone. She's gone, baby. Yeah. Gone. We, could put, I, like, I we could put both of those in. <laughs> In one of those YouTube montages of uh, yeah. moments where they say the title of the movie. Well, this movie. one's bad because it's just like, she's like, I know who killed me. Yeah, it's like, it, well, you're alive and right. you know, she's alive too. Right. It's very shoehorned in. Yeah. Um, it is, I will say, that's a great title. If you didn't know anything about this movie and someone said, do you want to see the movie called I Know Who Killed Me? I'm like, yes, I want to see that. You would be a mistaken to do, to <laughs> that, do that. Is, that is true. Uh, so we'll come back and we'll talk a little more about the legacy of I Know Who Killed Me. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In our second season, we're talking about the movies of 2007. And in this episode, looking at the biggest flop of 2007, I Know Who Killed Me, starring Lindsay Lohan. And speaking of Lindsay Lohan, the legacy of this movie largely is the continued death of Lindsay Lohan's career as a movie star. This is the last like theatrical movie that she starred in. This was, this was why this was a, a flop was because this was supposed to be her big comeback. And even though we had already said like, oh, it made its money back on DVD, this was such a, a, a panning universally every, everywhere you look. Um, that And it killed uh, what was left of her acting career, I guess, at this point yeah, in time. Yeah, I mean... Wait, this was the... What about The Canyons? That came after this. Yeah, I mean, The Canyons was barely released in theaters. And I haven't seen it, but that's more of an ensemble thing, I think, where she's not necessarily the main star. She was in more movies after this, but this was the last movie that she was the star of that came out in theaters. I mean, post this, she was she had one other starring vehicle, which was the, the romantic comedy called Labor Pains that was supposed to come out in theaters and ended up getting shifted to direct to uh, ABC Family, I think. 
Uh, and she had she was in Machete a couple years later and had a small right. role in that. Uh, she did do The Canyons. Um, but in terms of like a wide theatrical release where she She's was the carrying, star, yeah. there is not. There is not another one. Uh, she just recently made a direct-to-DVD werewolf movie uh, that just came out probably a few months ago. Um, but But yeah, I mean, no one today, this was the end of, Lindsay Lohan starring vehicle as a major theatrical release. That's fair. Yeah. It's also, also the end of Jeff Hammond, right? Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I said the, the <laughs> yeah. first and last screenplay was he it? wrote. That never happens. Like, usually, like, you'll look someone up on IMDb, they have at least like a direct to video yeah. or something. Right. And Chris, director, director, director's yeah. done other yeah, stuff. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. gone on, like I said, that movie, All Cheerleaders Die, which he co directed with Lucky McKee has kind of a, a horror movie following. I think he's done some, he might've made like a lifetime movie at right. one point, or which makes Netflix sense. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't exactly had like a great career, but he has gotten to keep working. And Lindsay Lohan has a beach club TV show, right? Yeah. A reality show, which I think just was recently canceled. Um, and obviously Lindsay Lohan's life is not going well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and she had that other reality show with her mom back in the day. Yeah. That know. Oprah worked on with her, I think, right. The one where that was a, yeah, like I feel like the the arc of Lindsay Lohan's career is endless efforts to rehabilitate her that all fail. Man, I just remember when Mean Girls came out and she was the toast of the town. And obviously she's physically beautiful, but like you really saw like she had uh, uh, like this skill, like this kind of girl next door. She could do so many different roles, whether it be horror or comedy. You really thought that she was going to make something of her career and boy, she did not. No, she really didn't. And, and I think even that, that fresh kind of uh, girl next door quality, she really lost that very quickly. I mean, by the time she made this movie, that whole quality was really gone. Yeah. Well, that's the drugs. That is the drugs. Yes. Um, but as we said, this movie did attract sort of a cult following, not a huge one. Um, there were some midnight screenings uh, as they sort of attempted to re uh, recoup their losses in the theaters. I agree. I mean, I get that, but it, it wasn't like, again, it's like the room where everyone can, you know, say all the words along and it's so bad. It's so much fun. Yeah. This is just like, what do I'd rather go to sleep at midnight than watch. This <laughs> thing, <so. laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that is part of the reason that it hasn't attracted like a big cult following. I think if we were talking about, we're going to talk about a future cult classic on a, on, on later in the season, and I don't think this would really qualify for that. It doesn't have enough of a cult following. Uh, I, I will say uh, a, a friend of ours, Dave, and a frequent guest on Dave's Piecing It Together podcast, uh, and also the founder of the much-missed Polygrind Film Festival in Las Vegas, Chad Clinton Freeman, he loves this movie, I yes, believe. Yes, he does. I, I'm, I don't know what he sees well, in it, but... <laughs> having, having attended that festival, this movie would really fit in at the Polygrind Film Festival, which is full of weird unpleasant and but sometimes very interesting and entertaining like b c d list movies <laughs> um and the last legacy thing i'll mention is that the razzies just could not get let go of this movie yeah. it was nominated in 2010 for worst picture of the decade which i feel like it probably didn't and deserve. it was richard roper's worst movie of the decade on his list yeah so. i mean and i think again this movie is just like a crappy b movie it's not the worst it's not an abomination it's no Norbit. <laughs> you've you've come full circle. I yeah, I really, I really am not a fan. I would of like it. to have seen this movie 
with that Eddie Murphy Norbit girlfriend character. <laughs> what if Eddie Murphy was the played Aubrey in Dakota in yeah, this movie? Yeah, as the Norbit girlfriend or whatever her <laughs> name was. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Random idea for a movie that I think would be a lot of fun. You guys were talking earlier about um, how she was actually in rehab while shooting this. Yeah. I could picture like a biopic style movie about that shooting like, yeah like the disaster artist yeah. but about i know who killed me that, i think that could be a lot of fun that would be good that yeah. would be better than this yes <laughs> yes it would so that is i know who killed me and that's this episode of awesome movie year you can follow us on social media although i don't know why you would after <laughs> us watching this film awesome movie year on facebook and instagram awesome movie year.com awesome movie pod on twitter i'm jay harris comedy or jason harris comedy on all those things and go for jason.com you can find me at josh bell hates everything.com and josh bell hates everything on facebook follow me at signal bleed on twitter and listen to our producer david rosen's awesome podcast piecing it together you can find us at piecingpod.com on twitter at piecingpod and check out the facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces and what do we have on our next episode, Jason? Next week, we are doing the Palme d'Or winner from the Cannes Film Festival of 2007, the Romanian uh, very heavy film called Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. It is very heavy, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to say about it. So tune in for that next time, and thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. <laughs>